0: Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, I'm going to continue with a message that I began last week on the gift of righteousness, the gift of righteousness. And while you're turning to Romans 5, 17, let me just say that the very mention of the word righteousness evokes certain thoughts. And among those thoughts, among most people, is probably thoughts of um, this is going to be about behavior. When you think of righteousness, you usually think of uh, doing the right thing or acting the right way. And if you were in last week's service and you, you got the message, you probably quickly found out that that righteousness really is, doesn't begin with behavior. It begins with position. Righteousness is essentially about right standing with God. Then behavior flows from that right standing. But righteousness is not based on behavior. It's based on position. And so I shared last week, I think the message was entitled, You Get What Jesus Deserves, or Getting What Jesus Deserves. Very, very positively provocative message. I'd encourage you to get it if you haven't gotten it. If you found Romans 5:17, Paul writes and says, For if through the one man, Adam, trespass, through Adam's trespass, death reigned through that one man much more will those who receive everyone say those who receive. those who receive those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ so the statement here that we're looking at paul says probably one of the greatest statements of the new testament if through one man adam death reigned as he passed sin on to the, his, uh, the, his entire generation and every subsequent generation. Then through the new man, Jesus Christ, life reigns. So if we are born again through Jesus Christ, he's saying basically we who receive Jesus Christ, we receive a new generation, we become a new creation. And what that essentially is based on is the fact that we've received the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace that is derived from that gift of righteousness. By that gift of righteousness, Paul sums this up and says, you reign in life. Anyone here think of yourself as reigning in life? Don't you don't have to raise your hand because most people either humble or they're, they're um, not uh, completely satisfied of, of where they're at in life. So uh, most Christians, unfortunately, wouldn't say that they're reigning in life. But the Bible says that having received the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace, we reign in life. And it says, you who have received the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace reign in life. You who receive. Say it with me. You who receive. So I'm going to preach about you who receive. Let me take a moment and just review what I've said last week. Last week, Jesus took the debt that you deserve so that He might have the authority to give you the righteousness He deserves. That was basically the exchange that Paul spoke about in 2 Corinthians 5.21 where it says, for our sakes God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin that in Him you might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus took what you deserved the death, so that He would be authorized to offer to you the righteousness that He deserved, that He earned. When He rose from the dead, He earned something. He was worthy of complete victory, worthy of not being hassled by the devil anymore. He said in John 13, The prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me. So He rose up completely righteous. What He earned and what He deserved He was able to give to you and I by taking what we deserve. So we deserve what Jesus got, not because we've earned it, but because He was authorized to give it to us in the form of a gift. You need to learn how to become a gracious receiver. If a Christian has a hard time receiving, they're going to have a hard time with Jesus. If you have a hard time receiving, you've got to learn how to receive. Lord, make me a receiver. Uh, One of the verses that we shared last week, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says He's justified to cleanse you from righteousness, which means when Jesus says, I am giving to you what I deserve, I am justified in doing that. So when you feel like Lord, remember when Peter said, Lord, you can't wash my feet. Who am I? Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you're not going to have any part with me. So Peter didn't understand about receiving. Because Peter was Jewish and raised under the law, his whole mentality is, you know, any good father teaches his kids, you just don't go through life entitled for to everything you want just because you want it. You've got to earn it, beginning with respect and everything else in life. So we get that kind of works mentality well that works on a social level that's fine but between us and the heavenly father there's no way you could earn right standing with God it had to be given to you as a gift so Jesus earned the right to say not only I forgive you but I am going to raise you up and put you in a position of sonship and you're going to have right standing with me because I've taken your sin which made you an enemy of God, and now you are the friend of God. What has what once made you an enemy has now been removed, and I give you right standing. So the gift of righteousness isn't about whether you deserve to live blessed, favored, and victorious, but it's about whether Jesus deserves to live blessed, favored, and victorious. Does Jesus deserve to live blessed? Does Jesus deserve to live victorious? Does Jesus deserve total and complete favor? Absolutely. Nobody would argue that Jesus doesn't deserve complete favor and to live blessed. Well, righteousness is about what Jesus deserves. Righteousness isn't about what you deserve. Thank God He dealt with that and He gives us what He deserves. So this week I want to continue and I want to emphasize the part of that verse that says, you who receive the gift of righteousness reign in life. You who receive, how good are you at receiving? I want you to think about that as I share this morning. How good am I at receiving? Jesus' righteousness reigns over temptation, fear, sickness, dysfunction. Jesus' righteousness has complete dominion over dysfunction. It reigns over those things. So when you live in Jesus' righteousness, you reign in life. Now, I know that that's hard to swallow if you really think about what it's saying, that you reign in life when you walk in Jesus' righteousness. But I didn't say it. Paul said it. And the Holy Spirit put it in his mouth to say it, put it in him to write it, Because it came from the throne of God. That's God's idea. That when you live in Jesus' righteousness, the net effect is that you reign over life. Now, I want you to let your imagination go wild and think about you reigning in life. What do you see? That that wild horse that's been released out of captivity that just goes running through the field, clicking up its heels, free, hallelujah, free, 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 excited, Think about that great freedom. Whatever comes to mind, consider, what does it mean to reign in life? Because the Bible says that when you live in Jesus' righteousness, you reign in life. So, who is living your life? Your life is going on every day. You're here this morning, but you're going to be somewhere else tomorrow, and you're going to be living your life. Who's living your life? Who is the you that is living your life? The you who struggles with dysfunction, sin or sickness or the you who receives the gift of righteousness and reigns in life because there is a decision and we we tend to come to that crossroads of decision several times throughout the day. When you think about it, you'll, you'll probably agree with me that there's many times throughout the day that you come to a point where you realize, wow, this is not the me who is choosing to be the righteousness of God in Christ. And you make a little adjustment in your mind or maybe in your attitude, your behavior, or in the words of your mouth. So true Christians are always making this little adjustment. Who is living the life that you are living? Who is the you that's living that life? Look, let me tell you something. When you reign in life, fear and depression doesn't. When you reign in life, sin doesn't. When you reign in life, sickness doesn't. I love dealing with these difficult issues of dysfunction and fear and condemnation and sin because people get mired in theological arguments about, well, you know, should we? is it appropriate that we should expect uh, God to heal us? Should we be expecting miracles of deliverance? Should we expect, and on the basis of what, why should we expect these things? Especially since we know that we're not perfect, and especially since we know that the mess that we're in, we got ourselves in that mess. Could we be honest and say that 90% of the time, the mess that I'm in, I, to one extent or another, put myself in that mess? Is there anybody would be bold enough to raise your hand this morning and say, you know what, I get in messes, but they're never me, I never put myself in that. Said, somebody's always after me. Someone's always, devil's messing with me. No, we know, we know the truth. We know that the mess we're in, the dysfunction, the fear, the condemnation. We've, and sometimes we've actually worked on it. We've worked it. We have a habit, a habit, and we go back to the same patterns. So here, here we are. And we realize that we're dealing in life with, with. I, I I love the way that the goal in our society today is to take the sting out of everything. So rather than sins, everybody's got problems. Or if, if problems is too harsh, everybody has issues. Issues. So okay, you are dealing with issues in your life, but. Can you accept the idea that when you reign in life those issues don't reign? If you're reigning in life, those issues don't reign. It doesn't mean you you are not weak, it doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes, it doesn't mean but if you're truly walking in the righteousness, the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. And the net effect of that reigning is those issues won't reign. Will they tempt you? Will they I like the way one guy used to say years ago, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair. You don't have to. Jesus said, take no thought saying. You can't help a thought, but you don't have to say it. We, I, don't think we, I don't think parents teach kids that anymore. But when I was growing up, my mom and dad said, you don't have to say everything that pops into your head. And some things I would say, and I'd get a hand across my mouth right quick. You know, my parents would be trying to put those words back in my mouth. (laughs) That would fly out like that. So I would learn you don't say everything that pops into your, my parents are too old to go to prison. So don't go calling the feds and ratting them out just because I confessed on them. So Jesus said, Take no thought saying. So just because a thought goes through your head, just let it keep going. You haven't sinned because a thought went through your head. Don't take the thought. How do I keep from taking the thought? It just keeps bombarding my mind. Don't say it. If you don't say it, you didn't take it. So look, we, we have weaknesses. Things happen. We... We deal with uh, the temptations of sickness, sin, dysfunction, all of these things. But when you accept and receive the gift of right standing with Jesus Christ, God said you will reign in life. And when you reign, those things don't reign. This is where victory comes from. Can you say amen? amen? So the dysfunctional you is overcome by the you who reigns in life. So who's living your life? If you're struggling with dysfunction of any kind, then you need to make an adjustment and be the you who receives the gift of righteousness. Be a receiver of the gift of righteousness. Dysfunction won't reign because you will reign in life. You'll reign through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So the you who receives is the you who reigns. Pretty simple. You who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life, Paul writes in Romans five seventeen. So let God make you a receiver of righteousness and its abundant grace. Learn how to be a receiver of righteousness. The next time you don't know what to do and you feel overwhelmed, ask yourself the question, right now I need to be a receiver of righteousness. What does that mean? And I want to tell you, I'm going to end up going here in this message in a few minutes, but the first thing it does is it Puts you at the feet of Jesus. It puts you right at the feet of Jesus. It makes a worshiper out of you. And, and it puts you right before Him. Lord, I need the gift of righteousness working in me. First thing's going to happen all those stupid, unrighteous thoughts, those impulses, the wrong headed ideas, the things that are trying to push you and drive you <clears throat> into unrighteousness are going to show up. You're going to to see them. They're going to become evident. As you seek that gift of righteousness, right standing with God, the Holy Spirit's going to pour out wisdom. And you're going to have wisdom. You're going to realize, oh, you know what? This doesn't feel right. Why did it feel so right an hour ago? Well, that's because you were thinking with your carnal mind an hour ago. You know, when you want what you want and you shut down, you're not willing to pray, you're not willing to seek God, you just want what you want, everything feels right. And then you're wondering why you're getting bogged down and and things aren't going well and it's difficult and we're running into all kinds of problems and you're in a dysfunctional situation. Um, When you receive that gift of righteousness, the only thing that's important to you, the imperative, is being right with God, not doing what you want or getting what you want. So if being right with God, as long as that's more important than what, you, what your flesh wants, you'll always have, God will always give you wisdom and the grace to overcome. You'll know what God wants you to do. You'll know the way you should go. The grace and the power will be there to prosper. The power to overcome. Guess what? When you reign in life, addictions don't reign. You know, Christians are like other people. It is amazing how many people in church are addicted. They may not be addicted to crack or heroin uh, some might be, but the uh, they usually they may be addicted to other things, and uh, you know s- socially accepted and hideable de- addictions, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone's going to go home and watch the game at four o'clock today. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's addicted. It's hard to be addicted when you live in Tampa Bay. I'm just. Unless you're, unless you're a glutton for punishment, but at any rate, that's all right. Things may turn around, hallelujah, it's been looking good the past couple of weeks. I, I digress, back to the message. Receivers reign. That's what I'm trying to say. Receivers reign. Receivers preside over the triumph that Jesus made for us. Receivers live in the deserves of Jesus. They live with what Jesus deserved. Do you know what the Bible says about the righteous? When you receive the free gift of righteousness, do you know what the Word of God says about you? If you're wondering, well, how does receiving the the free gift of righteousness cause me to reign in life? Because it brings you into alignment, connection with Jesus. You're not just walking around believing in Him. You're aligning with Him. You're connecting with Him. And you know what the Bible says about people that are the righteous, that live in alignment with God? Again, that live in the position that they've received as a gift from God? Well, the Bible says in Psalms, you bless the righteous, O Lord, and cover Him with favor like a shield. Wow, wouldn't that be great? You could claim that for yourself. Lord, you bless me and cover me with favor like a shield. The Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Wow, when I receive the gift of righteousness, the Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are upon me, they're towards me. His ear is inclined to my prayer. You know, When you don't allow that gift of righteousness to convince you and you take hold of it by faith, you're doubting that the Lord's hearing you. You're thinking, well, I'm insignificant. I'm not important. I blew it, made a mistake. God's not listening to me. But that's not true. Remember, you're not righteous because of what you do. You're righteous because of what Jesus did. It's the fact that He deserves that right standing that you have been given right standing. So your right standing is based on the fact that He deserves it He took your penalty of sin. He gave you His life. Let's take a look at another one. The Lord, I love this one. The Bible says the righteous flourish like the palm tree. My goodness, have you noticed palm trees grow wherever they want to? We live in Florida. We live in the land of palm. They grow wherever they uh, just good and well want to grow. You can have oak trees all over the place, pine trees, but a little palm tree is going to get up there It's going to poke through the branches. It's going to eventually pop out above that oak tree. They grow wherever they want to. The Bible says the righteous flourish like the palm tree. We're always saying, you know, I'm just not, I'm not in the right position for a raise. I need to get connected to the right people. More Christians waste time worrying about You know, I'm not in the right neighborhood, I'm not driving the right car, I don't have the right connections, the the right people aren't looking at me, how can I expect to advance, I need to get myself in in the right position to be promoted, you want to be in the right position to be promoted, receive the gift of righteousness, because the Bible says promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, and west, bless God, promotion comes from the Lord, can you say amen, hallelujah. I know a couple of people this week that have received promotion that came not from the north, south, east to west. But from so stop trying to run to the south, run to the north. Oh, things would be better if I could just pack up and move west. You need to move up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the Bible says the righteous flourish like the palm tree. Why, does, why would you flourish like a palm tree? Because you're the righteousness of God in Christ. I love this one, the desire of the righteous shall be granted. You know, I don't think that the Lord really, what if God doesn't want, uh, what if God doesn't want to answer this prayer? When you can stand before God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and present that request, the Bible says the desire of the righteous will be granted. I guarantee you that when you stand before the Lord as the righteousness of God in Christ, if what you're desiring is bad for you, you won't want it if you stand there long enough. Can I say it again? I'll use English this time. You miss missed opportunity to shout. When you stand before the Lord and you are standing in the gift of righteousness, if what you want, have you ever had that happen to you? You want this thing so bad you can taste it. And then you get before God, oh God. But funny thing is it just starts, the desire starts diluting it starts dissipating after a while. It's just, I don't know. I, I just don't have that connection with this. The desire's faded away. See, rather than deny you, the Lord just let your heart change the more you look to Him and a new desire came up in its place. Because God wants to say yes to the righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love, this is one of my favorites. The root, this is Proverbs 12, 3. The root of the righteous will never be moved. Wow. The root of the righteous will never be moved. It's the zombie apocalypse. (laughs) Your neighborhood's been overrun. Everyone is fleeing for the hills. What do you do? You've got nowhere to go. You don't have cousins that have a hunting shack out there nowhere land you don't know any preppers you know <laughs> or whatever they are so you got nowhere to go if your roots are in Jesus you're the righteous the Bible says the root of the righteous will never be moved I don't care what neighborhood you're living in I don't care where your work is or who you're Who your mom and dad are. If your root is in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you'll never be moved. You'll never be moved. Worry less about your roots and everything else. Be a little more concerned about being rooted in righteousness. And once again, I say it we're not talking about rooted in good behavior because. Your behavior may be good today, and then tomorrow, if, it's behave- if your righteousness is rooted in your behavior, what happens when tomorrow temptation hits you like a flood, knocks you backwards, and you have a bad day? You mess up, you sin, you goof up, you make mistakes. The Bible says the righteous falls seven times, but what? It get gets up again. The test of the righteous is that you can't knock them down and they stay down. They keep getting up because their root is in God. So they don't, they don't hug defeat. They don't go into darkness and stay in darkness. They hug Jesus. They stay in the light because they live in the light. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the root of the righteous will never be moved. Here's another one. You've heard this. The righteous are bold as a lion. I've talked to so many Christians say, you know, Pastor, you just got a big mouth and you're bold and you're not afraid of people and you're, you just kind of throw yourself out there. But I'm not that way, you know, we Smiths, we're just different. We're very mild-mannered. I just can't, I can't see myself just going up to people and, or you know, I don't have that kind of courage. That's okay. Jesus has got plenty of it. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's got plenty of boldness. Have you you know, there's nothing more awesome. It's a little messy sometimes, but it's awesome. To see a person who's not used to being bold, being bold in the Lord. It could be embarrassing. It could be messy. The Lord never said we'd be cool. But effective, yes. So if you're not worried about not being cool, but you want to be fruitful and effective, the righteous, bold as a lion. You see, when you are, when you are in that gift of righteousness, guess what? Abundance of grace is constantly being poured out on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you may even get to the point where being bold looks good on you. You're just doing it like you're a professional surfer. Up on that board, everything's just, you know, just right. You don't look all crazy and falling off. Here's another one. This is the last one. This one comes out of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 13, 43. It's just awesome. It says, The righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. The next time the devil tries to talk to you, And talk you down. The next time the devil badmouths you, pointing out, quote, your righteousness, pointing out your mistakes, your failures, remember, your righteousness is what Jesus deserves, not what you deserve. You get what Jesus deserves. Remember, rebut and refute him. Don't let the devil badmouth you because the Bible says the righteous shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Well, I thought about that like the sun. The sun never stops shining, but you don't always see it. Sometimes, while the world turns, something is in the way of our seeing the sun, but the sun's always shining. It keeps coming around, and you will keep coming around. Even if obscurity arises, it may not be your day, but you will always shine in the kingdom of your Father. The righteous always shine forth in the kingdom of their father, even when it's Tuesday and it's a bad day and the kids aren't paying attention. You're not handling things the right way. You've made the same mistake you always make. You're back in that same old pattern again. And the devil is just pouring it on your head saying, just stay down. Just stay down. I'm not just stay down. You don't have another get up left in you. I've knocked the last get up on your feet out of you that you had. You don't have another rebound. The devil is a liar. God is a God of a rebound. He is the eternal rebound. You say, how do you know? Where do you get, you're just preaching. No, no, that's good theology. The Bible says it's called resurrection. It's the permanent rebound. Jesus rose, and the Bible says the life that he now lives, glory to God, I live in him. Hallelujah. As he is, so am I in this world. So there is an endless rebound in you, an endless reset. The righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. I want to close with this thought. I want to bring this, this message which which can sometimes have a tendency to be a little abstract, down to a practical how-do-I-do-it level, okay? How do I receive the gift of righteousness? Obviously, by faith, we receive the gift of righteousness. Um, But I'd like to to make it a little more practical and say that there's a key in receiving the gift of righteousness, and that key is worship. It's worship. Um, Do you remember when Jesus... Met the woman of Samaria at the well. And it was the noonday, and all the ladies of the village had come early in the cool of the day to get their water. And this woman, probably because she was shunned and an outcast, we find out later that she had, um, I guess, been married six times and she was shacked up with some dude that at the present time she wasn't married to. So she couldn't come with the good ladies of the town to get her water. She had to come in the heat of the day, the noonday. But Jesus happened to walk up, asked for some water, and uh, the lady was, you know, she was uh, pretty amused that Jesus being Jewish and she was a Samaritan. So it was kind of a serious racial divide between the Samarians and the Jews, and they really both looked down on each other. So she says, well, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman, why are you asking me for water? He said, lady... If you knew who was asking you for water, you'd ask me for water. And I would give you living water that you would never thirst again. That stuff you're about to give me, it doesn't work. Uh, it works for a little while. or hour later, you need more of it. You just need to keep taking it, taking it, taking it. I'll give you water. You get it. It'll, it'll water you for life, for eternity. So they get into this conversation and she says, well, I know that the Messiah is supposed to come. Gets around to talking about receiving from God. You start talking about the Messiah, you're talking now about receiving from God. The minute they start talking about receiving from God, the topic goes right to worship. She says, you know, our fathers say we should worship in this mountain. Your people say in the temple. Uh, Tell me about worship. Because, see, these are religious people having this conversation, Jesus and this woman. And so, for them, they know that God has to come down to receiving. Receiving. You can't just go through life and be religious by having thoughts and beliefs, no matter how right or accurate they are. At some point, it's got to come down to alignment, connection. There's got to be an actual contact with God. So that's the, cri- that's the criticism sometimes that religious people get by society is that they run around with a sticker on their car Um, are seen occasionally uh, in public with a Bible or a Bible app on their iPad or whatever, um, or uh, seen in church, but they don't really appear to have any real connection with God. It's got to come down to alignment. Our life has got to have an alignment so that heaven can be seen through us. And um, at any rate, the minute it comes down to receiving they start talking about worship. And listen to what Jesus said to the woman about worship. Because there's a direct connection between worship and receiving the gift of righteousness. Jesus said to the woman, the hour is coming and now is actually here when the true worshipers, everyone say true worshipers. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit And in truth. For the Father's actually looking for people like that to worship Him. God is Spirit. Those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. You see, true worship draws you into contact, it draws you into actual alignment with God. When you begin to truly worship, it forces you, your thoughts, your motives, Coming into contact, they start showing where there's misalignment, and there's tweaking going on, and you start getting tweaked, you know. I guess there's a street connotation to tweaking, so maybe I'm using the wrong word. But at any rate, you get the idea, you know, a little adjusting. There's adjustments made. You know, when you just walk around and you've got beliefs in your mind, and I've got a Bible over here, and you've, got a, you've got a Bible, you read it once in a while, and you're one of these people that says religion's a personal subject. Uh, you know, we don't discuss religion with other people. I don't permit people to talk to me about what I believe. It's a highly personal issue. Try telling Jesus it was a highly personal issue. Jesus said it absolutely is a public issue. It is a community issue. It is an issue of accountability. If you profess to be a Christian, you are accountable to the community around you, and people have a right to ask you about what it is you believe because you are claiming an alignment with the Almighty God. And so they've got every right to say, How come, you know, is what I see in you a reflection of God or not? You see, if your religion is all about you saved yourself, well then it's private. But if it's all about Jesus Christ, then honey, it ain't private, it's public. Jesus was publicly crucified, Jesus was publicly examined, and He was publicly resurrected. So, at any rate, when it comes down to worship, when we start worshiping, our, our, our life starts coming into alignment And worship causes us to have our thoughts and our motives opened up before God and when we seek that gift of righteousness the Lord starts pulling on the desire of our heart and He starts affecting us and influencing us and that's where that hunger and thirst for righteousness is cultivated. The key to receiving the gift of righteousness. Even though if you're saved, you are the righteousness of God in Christ, you and I both know you could be more the righteousness of God in Christ. That's why it says receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness because we use up grace every day. We need a refill. I just stopped and had my car filled up with gas the other day. Uh, and I'm going to have to stop a little later in the week probably and put because I'm burning it up. If you're doing any living, you're using that grace. It gets poured out. The Bible says, he giveth more grace. Amen. If you lack grace, come to him, ask. He'll give more, gives more grace. So worship is that fill up. It's that contact. It's that connection. People who don't worship have a very hard time walking truly in that walk where they walk in the gift of righteousness and they don't reign in life. If you're not reigning in life, check out your worship life. Now, some people think that's just running around singing songs. I think that's part of it, singing. Certainly, worship involves all kinds. But worship in general is that presentation of yourself to the Father. You are Lord, not me, but I come to you. I don't run from you, I run to you. Right, wrong, I come to you and I receive your righteousness. Align me. Make contact. And God lifts you up. He starts lifting you up. Can you say amen? amen? You know what worship really is? It's taking possession of the delivery. You ever had stuff delivered to your door? You know, Amazon Prime. You dial them up and say, I need a new t-shirt. This is a cool t-shirt. Got a thing on it. I want this t-shirt. You, you put that 20 bucks on that credit card and they bring that T-shirt five days later to the door. They've dropped off. You ever open the door, see that brown bag sitting there? Got the label on it. Has your, see, some of you have never done that. You just go to Walmart. But, but some of us shop from, our, shop from our bedroom in our pajamas. I'm not going to point the finger at anybody. But you know what a delivery is. When Jesus rose from the dead, He delivered something to you and I called the gift of righteousness. Delivered it, gave it. It's what He deserves, what He received when He rose from the dead, the honor, the victory. He gave that to you and I. Made that delivery. Worship is you taking possession of the delivery With some of you, that delivery's been sitting at your doorstep a long time. It's rained on. The label's running all over the place. The name is faded, but it's still there. It's there. Open the door. Take possession of the delivery. Worship. Get up in the morning. Worship the Lord. Throughout the day, especially when trouble arises, worship the Lord. You don't have to take a half an hour In fact, I'm going to close with this one thought. Let me give a strong, serious, great, big, huge endorsement to praying in tongues. Jude, verse 20 and 21 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Prayer and worship draws you into contact with the living God. And both you and I know that there's a very acute limitation to our ability to articulate these flowery, intelligent, long prayers. You have run out of things to say, usually within a minute and a half, if you're honest, long before your heart is filled. And sometimes you're just there in prayer. You're kneeled down before the Lord at your bed, and you're just, and all you can, all you, at this point, you, you feel like you're sounding, you know, like you are got some special needs going on there. Because you're just going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You're just stuck on Jesus, 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 Jesus. Because you can't put it into words. You don't know what to say. You can't describe the problem. You're just frustrated. Something in you is trying to make contact something in you wants to express its need it's it's hunger before the Lord, and when there's a dialogue that's trying to take place and you you're running out of words, you're just like that skipping record Jesus eh, Jesus eh, Jesus it eh, Jesus it eh. and you know and you step out a little bit, and try some English, oh Lord, oh thou most high um The one that made the heaven and the earth. What else? What did the the pastor say on Sunday? Uh, You know, and then you feel stupid. You're listening to yourself praying. I sound so dumb trying to pray. This is what tongues is for. Sound like a genius, a rocket science. That's rocket science. You know, when you're just praying in tongues, you just, well, you sound like a four-star general giving out orders. Hallelujah. The Bible says your spirit is praying. In 1 Corinthians 14, my spirit prays. My spirit is giving thanks well. All I'm saying is, have a robust life of praying in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, build yourself up in your most holy faith. When you don't know what to pray for as you want, Romans 8 says, with groanings too deep to be uttered, the spirit reaches down, brings up that intercession. Hallelujah. Pray in the Holy Ghost. I used to wonder... Why did God give such a silly gift to the church? And it really makes perfect sense to me why the why, uh, a huge section of evangelicals, fundamentalists, have just completely written it off and say, you know, after, after about 60 years, the Lord was through. He'd had enough of that. He, wasn't, he was not sick of hearing those tongues. They're ridiculous. We don't want to hear any more of that. We're doing away with it. We're going to give them the good, the good old you know, written scripture and they're not going to need those tongues anymore. So I thought, you know, I could see where that doctrine came from because uh, it's foolish. It's silly. So I could see why some church fathers got together and said, uh, or some church leaders said, you know what, let's, this is antiquated. We're going to come up with a doctrine and we're going to put this thing to rest. We don't want our people doing this anymore. This is silly. But the fact is, it's one of the most direct routes to the power of God because it edifies you. Why? Because it gives the ability for the believer to pour your heart out before God. Pour your, you say, well, what happens if I'm praying in tongues and I get, my mind drifts and I get off? Am I still praying in tongues or am I just babbling? Maybe. So put your mind back on Jesus. Let the Holy Ghost kick in and straighten it out. Why throw the baby out with the bathwater? My goodness. You know, eat the chicken and spit out the bones. Uh, all, all those things, just think about them. Just adjust yourself, get on track, but don't stop praying in the Holy Ghost. The church is lacking power, lacking direction. Believers are gone and starving today, running around, trying to, trying for, for, for the life of me, I can't find out, figure out why people get saved and then have issues about identity, My goodness, you've got the greatest identity in the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord of your life. We need to build ourselves up in our most holy faith. So let me, before I go off the track and start preaching another message, let me just put a chip clip on this. We'll stop right here. We're going to pray, close up and pray. Stand to your feet. You who receive. God wants you to be the receiver of the gift of righteousness. He paid the price. It's complete. He wants to relate with you as the righteousness of God. The Father wants to relate with you as He relates with Jesus the Son. Your life is in Him. He's given you that right standing so that you may have that relationship with Him. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I'd like to pray for you this morning. And if you would, just kind of close your eyes. Feel free to just, however you, however you want to take a moment to worship, perhaps lift your hands to the Lord. But just open up your heart.